All right, everyone, welcome to the first episode of Catching Up with Chubbs. I'm your host, Colin Hubbard. We have my producer across from me, Jake Cantrell. What's happening? And we have a very special guest for our first episode, the one, the only, Kyle Sandy. How are you doing today, sir? Oh, my gosh, Colin, Jake. Thank you for having me. This is this is a big honor. I mean, this is a, I mean, you guys are the hottest new podcast in town, the newest <laughs> podcast in town, so for you guys... To dial me up and get me on the phone, oh boy, I just hope I don't blow it for you fellas. Man, we, we go back too. Me and Kyle go back probably farther than maybe even you remember. I was looking at some of our old messages just trying to find any little uh, tidbits I could bring up. Um, and we go all the way back to 2015, man. That's six years. I know. We're old. We're old. I don't know about you. I'm probably still older than you. You're probably still young in the prime of your career, but I'm an old man now. Shoot, things have changed 2015 to 2021. So much can change in a in a calendar year, and uh, I've aged very, uh, very roughly. I'm sure you have aged very gracefully. Man, I have a lot of people say that we kind of look alike, so. Whoa, wow. So I, I, don't know that, I don't know if that I don't know if that's a diss to me, too, or <laughs> what, but. But <laughs> yeah, man. Sure. So how, how are you liking this uh, season so far with COVID? I mean, we got no jump ball, man. How, how, how weird or how different has this season been so far for you? Yeah, well, you know, I guess uh, the main thing is we're having a season, so that's obviously the, the best thing. But, um, yeah, the jump ball, that kind of stinks for me because I always like taking a photo of the jump ball. That was usually my, my, my number one tweet, my first tweet of the game. Okay, the game is underway. Here's a nice pretty picture on of the jump ball on Twitter, but we got rid of that. But other than that, I mean, everything's been been good for the most part. Obviously, I, I travel all over the state, so some pockets of the state are, you know, no masks. Everything's all good. It feels like a normal year. And then other places, you're going to the gym, and you're the only person in the gym in the crowd. So um, from, a, from a media standpoint, from a fan standpoint, yeah, it's been different just depending on where you're going across the state. But... I mean, the level of play has been has been good. It's always great in the state of Georgia, boys and girls basketball. So nothing to complain about as far as that goes. I'm just happy we're having a season, and hopefully we can finish it out strong. Right. Yeah, how, how weird is that, you know, going to some parts of the state where, like you said, there might be 150 people in there, no masks, everybody's just having a good old time, and then you go to some places where, like you said, you're, I, I was like that myself. I was like the only guy in there. And it's just you can hear everybody talking, the players talking. It's just a quiet gym. Yeah, it is cool when it is a quiet gym and you can hear all the all the talking on defense, of course, with the coaches talking to their players in the huddles. Uh, probably the best is trying to listen to the coaches when they're on the refs and talking to the refs. That's always it's always really fun just to hear the, the back and forth and the conversations they have when they're working the rest and there's a bad call or there's a good call. Um, just the little things you wouldn't usually pick up in a normal year when there's people in the stands. But, yeah, I mean, I went to a game up north and it was it really felt like it was, I don't know, like 2018, packed house, mass very, very limited, so it wasn't a big deal. Um, but it was – you know, that, that was really fun. When when you go to a game like that and you see the status quo of what it usually is, a packed house on like a Friday night, you really, you know, you, you take that for granted, you feel like. You really start to miss like, wow, this year it's been tough for these kids where there's a limited capacity. I know a lot of places have had, you know, 200, 300 fans in the gym, but there's nothing like a, a sold-out crowd on a Friday or a Saturday night, especially in like a rivalry 
game and a packed gym and a small gym, uh, th- those atmospheres are fantastic. And just to be able to to taste that at least once this year, um, you know, really just makes me feel like, boy, I can't wait to get back to uh, to regular times pre-COVID when you you know don't have to wear a mask or you have full capacity and it, it really really brings high school basketball to a whole nother level when you have a fan atmosphere that's packed to the rafters and you hear it from both sides it's just you know nothing beats a loud crowd on a friday or a saturday night no doubt yeah kyle so uh i mean we see your stuff all over twitter and everything and um i just have to ask so how did you i guess get this started and everything and i mean what makes you the authority on georgia high school basketball like why, why should we respect your rankings above anything else oh good question <laughs> good question well I'll, I'll try to answer both of them. I'll start with the first question. How did I get into this? Well, as Colin may have mentioned, we did work together. I uh, was working at a, a company called Score Atlanta. Colin was an intern there, met that way, and then he's gone off and done great things. And me, I've been uh, I've been just trying to do basketball. So I was working there. You know, it was a lot of stuff with the Atlanta Falcons and GHSA and the AJC, but a lot of the stuff was based around high school football and. To back up a little further, I went to Kennesaw State, I got a sport management degree, and I needed a practicum and an internship so I could graduate. So I applied at Score Atlanta. It had something to do with high school sports. I don't really know what else was going on, but uh, I joined there, and then it was just like, hey, you're about to write a bunch of stories about college football and this, that, and the other. So I wasn't, when I took that uh, role as an intern and a practicum and all that stuff, I wasn't really knowing, okay, you're going to be a... <laughs> you're going to be a sports journalist now and do all this stuff. That's not really what I thought I was getting myself into, but I'm a decent writer and writing about stuff you like, like sports makes it so much easier than writing about, uh, mitochondria and stuff like that. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not too huge on biology and all that craziness, but sports and basketball in general, you know, specifically, I guess, uh, I really liked it. So, I was working there and everything was good. You know, it's kind of can be um, challenging to work there with a small company and just, you know, you're juggling a million things, a hundred different projects at once. And, you, you know, there's really no days off. Um, but I was able to do all my duties there. And on the side, I was just like, shoot, you know, we had an opportunity to sponsor Holiday Hoops Giving, which is like a, a big time national uh event as far as high school basketball goes and you know we we passed up on the opportunity and i was just like shoot i mean this is a big event you know score atlanta we have the corky kell classic let's get on holiday hoops giving that's like the same thing but for basketball and you know the state of georgia's terrific in basketball so i felt like if anybody had an opportunity to be a part of this i felt like it would be a a big time brand but they didn't do it, and it is what it is. And I understood that football is king in the South, and basketball kind of, kind of doesn't get as much love. But anyway, uh, I just randomly started going to fall league games and tweeting some stuff out. Now, I mean, I played at Sequoia High School in uh in Cherokee County and graduated in 2010. And you know, I it's not like I had a lot of um, I didn't have a lot of contacts in the sport because once I graduated. I was out of high school basketball. I didn't really go to any games or anything like that. I didn't really stay abreast of all the information what was going on, who the top players were. I was I was busy doing my thing at Kennesaw State. But 
once I got to score and we started doing high school sports, I, I kind of started to get bitten by that bug of high school basketball and kind of started to fall back in love. But I uh, started going to random high school uh, high school games, fall league games, little stuff like that, random stuff. Um, started a transfer list, which got really big. Um, but before that, it was kind of a, you know, Sandy Spill started as a passion project. And I would look around and I just, I, I couldn't find anywhere that was kind of like a 24-7, 365 hub for all things Georgia high school basketball. If I want to know, like, okay, what should I look for going into this season or at least have like archives of, okay, the past couple of years, these teams have been really good. So maybe I should keep an eye on these guys, you know, just not even as a sports media guy, but maybe as a fan. If a fan wanted to kind of move to Georgia and say, okay, I, I just moved to Georgia. What's going on in the state? How do I find out what's going on? And there wasn't really a website like that. Now, there are some Twitter accounts and websites more so focused towards travel ball and AAU, but really at the crux of it, I am a high school guy. I like high school basketball. I like the ebbs and flows, the comings and goings. You know, you're good one year, then you got to rebuild it back up and stuff like that. The ebbs and flows of natural high school basketball and homegrown talent, all that good stuff. Um, so, with that being said, we you know we do we didn't get a whole lot of recaps. You know, I do game night recaps now, and I can get anywhere from sixty up to a hundred or so. Um, but back in the day, you get like five recaps, and it was a pat on the back. Whereas during football season, you're locked in the bunker till one a.m. trying to get over 100 in every single recap so I kind of felt like there was a disconnect as far as media coverage for Georgia high school basketball and Georgia high school football and you know I hate to say it but the AJC back then I mean they were like writing about players that had graduated a year or two ago and saying they're like a, a player to watch coming up for the next season and they were just you know outdated information and everything like that and I don't expect them to know all that because it's not like they're go into these travel ball games or they know all these coaches intimately and you know it's 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 tough you're not a you're not specializing in that one sport so you're not supposed to know about it so that's where i felt like i could kick down the door find a niche market as being that person that that knows all this stuff and covers it year round and i started with that sandyspiel.com on the side and just started going and going and snowballing and snowballing and it got bigger and bigger with the transfer lists and this that and the other and then you know, I lost my job at Score Atlanta. I was uh, they they told me they viewed me as competition, which I felt like that was a uh, you know a pat on the back for me. One person is viewed by competition by the Atlanta Journal Constitution and you know my former company. So it is what it is. I had to get kind of shoved out the door, and it's been a an interesting route. But I love what I'm doing now. I've been able to you know do this basketball work full time, and it's been great. And I know, I know that's a super long-winded first answer, but the second answer to why people should listen to me, no one's putting in as much work as I am. I am dissecting all this stuff. I could show you all the notes. I mean, when I do these rankings, I feel like some of these other websites, you know, it's not a big deal. You could just throw stuff on there, go to Max Preps, and see the teams with the best, best record. But the people that are doing that, they don't, they're not going to all these games. They're not seeing... Uh, you know, they might just see all the teams in like the Gwinnett County area, but I'm going all across the state. I'm going to Gwinnett. I'm going to Fulton. I'm going to Social Circle, Georgia. I'm going to Sonora. I'm going to all these random places to piece all that puzzle together. And I know the history since I played high school basketball. I kind of know, okay, this geographic area usually is pretty good in girls basketball. This area, they kind of struggle in boys basketball outside of the first round of the state playoffs. So when I'm doing these state rankings, 
that takes me five to six hours every morning. So Sunday morning, I'm up early and I'm putting in five to six hours researching every single game that went, you know, was played this past week and then using that based on strength of schedule uh, who was injured who was in quarantine this and the other so i'm doing five or six hours on sunday five or six hours on monday for the girls so i'm putting in as much research as possible i probably take it way too serious but i think the state of georgia is way too good to not be covered that serious and like i said i'm in the gym i got my ear to the ground trying to find out rumors and all that stuff so that is why i feel like I am the authority. I, I feel like I got the market share. I worked my butt off. It's not like I just like, yeah, I just threw these teams and said this is why. If I rank a team somewhere in the poll, best believe I have a reason why I rank them there because if not, it's, you know, it is, you know, what's the point? you got to be able to defend your rankings, and now I don't have to defend it in all my, all my rankings, but if anyone ever asks why is so-and-so ranked here and so-and-so is not, best believe I will have an answer. I'm not just going to say because I said so. No doubt, man. So when I was looking through our old messages, it's funny. I, I just came across this randomly. So I messaged you on March 2nd, 2015. So almost six years ago to the, to the day. Wow. And I said, so what are you planning on doing career wise? Oh and, God. And you responded with keeping all my options open. I'd like to work with a baseball franchise or something like that. But right Whoa. now the media aspect is pretty cool. So yeah, you said, you told me you wanted to potentially work for a MLB front office doing analytics and i know you're a pretty big baseball baseball fan too man so um where did the where did that that part of your career kind of die off that that goal and and it kind of fully transform over to high school basketball wow wow yeah that's crazy yeah i used to love you know playing baseball mogul on my laptop and all these video games you know mlb the show scouting i used to know about the farm system of course i'm a big mets fan so i used to keep up with all that stuff and where did that die off well i guess you know you, you turn into a big boy you have a big boy job as a sports journalist and you're, you're busy writing and covering the stuff that's there and i i guess it kind of died off once i i got bit by that bug i told you about high school basketball it, it got back into it i i noticed there just there wasn't a lot of coverage for it and I found it and you know if I if I opened my website or if I was writing stories or tweeting and people never really latched on and didn't really care about it then maybe I wouldn't have pursued it as much as I have but I you know it felt like it was much needed in the marketplace as someone that was kind of championing uh championing basketball in the state of Georgia instead of just football so I guess that's kind of where it happened and you know it's I, yeah, I had dreams of going to the winter meetings and all this stuff and trying to pass out my resume and get locked on with baseball. But to be honest with you, I, I know I played baseball when I was like six and eight years old, and I was just a big Mets fan and everything. And I, I followed the game very, very closely, but I played basketball growing up. I know what basketball is like. I know the rigors of it. I know all the I know I know what it takes. You know, I'm not saying I, I played at a high level or anything like that. I didn't play in college. I played pretty well in high school. But basketball, at the end of the day, was my bloodlines. My father played basketball. So, uh, you know, he was a good writer as well when he was growing up. So I guess I have, you know, his basketball acumen and his writing skills. And I guess that's just kind of where baseball, it, it just turned into a hobby and a pastime. And basketball, it just... I found a path. I carved out a niche, and I turned a career, uh, turned it into a career. And I guess that's where it all happens. And you know, you asked me that today. I, I'd probably 
you know, I wouldn't say I want to be in baseball, but still, I've kind of narrowed it down, and I, I guess I, I pigeonholed myself as just being a basketball guy. But I love what I do. I'm able to make a living off of it, and you know, it's you know having temporal flexibility to set my own schedule and do what I need to do. Um, you can't really put a price on that. Right. So when when was it about where Score Atlanta let you go and you kind of parted ways parted ways with those guys? Um, that was gosh. So that was. I don't even know how long ago that was. So that must have been, if I'm thinking back, the year should have been, it was either like 2017, might have been 2016, 2017, one of those two years. And, you know, it was right before the state playoffs, um, the state playoffs happened. Uh, so I was busy collecting all the scores for the region tournament and stuff like that. You know, I'm like a one-man band. I'm the only guy working on collecting all these scores across the state of Georgia. So I'm updating it on the AJC, and I'm updating it on my website too. And I felt like, shoot, you know, um, if I'm the only person doing it, so what if I updated on my website 15 minutes before I updated on your website? Both websites are getting the scores and getting everything Um put on place but that's what happens when you task it to one person if that one person is the one person with the power to get all that information sometimes maybe i want to put it on my website first but yeah it was uh it was you know it, it was a good thing that happened that i got let go and i remember i was told i'd never be successful in the industry and all that good stuff but you know i feel like i'm doing all right now so i just feel like i go through life with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder and and I guess that's just one of many that I feel like I can stack on my shoulder and say, "Hey, I think I'm being, think I'm doing pretty well for myself. I think I'm pretty, uh, pretty successful, and I think I have an influence across the state. And having an influence and being able to help kids get scholarships and be seen, and you know, sign a positive light on some programs across the state of Georgia, not just in Metro Atlanta, but the entire state of Georgia, uh, that really is gratifying and a very humbling experience for me." And Score Atlanta wasn't our first guest either, so I mean, you have that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, I, I beat them there, so I do appreciate that. Were they the ones telling you that you'd never make it in media, or are you referring to somebody else? Uh, there was a, a boss there that said that, and you know, and it, it's funny because me as a person, you know, at least certainly growing up, very introverted, like my mother, very shy i like to keep to myself even if you put me in a classroom today i don't know if i'd ever raise my hand to answer a question i wasn't like that playing basketball i was not vocal i was more of a guy that just was do what i was told and wouldn't talk back now i had one little incident senior year where i did get kind of you know vocally frustrated with myself one time and you know that happened but other than that blip on the red i was i was not a troublemaker i did what i was supposed to do and everything but with that being said again i was getting frustrated after years of working at the company and it was just like man it was it was a lot of you know it was tough times like i said when you're like three or four people working there like three writers maybe and you're having to cover the falcons and you're having to write for the ghsa programs and the ajc and you're juggling a million different things and um it was kind of tough working there at times but you know you as you age you get wiser and you kind of understand things so maybe i was in that in that part of my life where i was kind of getting bolder and a little brasher and i've 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 much since mellowed now so i will say that i don't try to take on every single fight there is on twitter or anything like that but 
yeah, it was just like, yeah, you're you're too. I don't know. You're, I wouldn't say he said outspoken, but he was just saying you won't be successful. You're too. I guess he was kind of saying I was like too hard headed with that. But you know, after you, you get your buttons pushed a million times, and you see other people in the same company, you know, having, you know, somewhat of outlashes and stuff, you know, talking back, saying like, hey, this is where the the direction of this needs to go or whatever, and you just feel like you're not really getting listened to when you're doing all the work. So, and you know, like I said, I was passionate about high school basketball and I just felt like it wasn't getting the love there. And yeah, talking there, I said, I want to be successful. Um, so I don't know if I use it as motivation or a chip on my shoulder, but I knew I had something special brewing. I remember I, I said, he said something about good luck making money off this. And I said, it's not all about the money and it's not all about the money. It definitely isn't because I, I was, I've been doing this, you know what, for five, six years now. And just for this past year, I just now started making money off my website consistently. Um, but, uh, you know, it, you know, I make money now off of it is what I'm trying to say. And it's, you know, it's about sweat equity and putting in the hard work and making it happen. And, you know, it's some people, they get into sports media and they think, Oh, I'm going to be at ESPN and making millions of dollars. That is like the 1%, 99% of us are scraping and clawing and pushing together and piecing together multiple different little streams of revenue to try and make a living. So to be total, uh, you know, good luck making money off of that and to be able to say, hey, I'm making a little bit of money off that now, so thank you. Uh, I, I do feel like I've been successful so far. Right. Like, I feel like that's an important thing for young journalists and media folks to understand that are in college. Like, you're not getting into this business to get rich. That's just not going <laughs> to happen. If you're making $30,000 a year, you're probably doing pretty decent, which... Mm-hmm. And that's not a lot of money in itself. But like you said, you got to have a passion for it. And um, it, it's fun to go to work every day. I'm sure you have a blast going to all these games and you know, multiple games every week. But so you get you get let go from score Atlanta. You have your you have your website going. You have, you know, the recaps going. You've got a little, you know, following on Twitter and whatnot. What, what's your next move after that? Yeah, that's always a great question. Well, Obviously, anyone would say the same thing in sports media. You kind of got to figure out what's next because uh, media has changed. I mean, newspapers, obviously, uh, again, you you understand newspapers, especially with COVID when that hit, that really just told everybody like, hey, high school sports, newspapers, uh, a lot of that stuff is going to get tightly restricted and we don't know if it's ever going to come back. So podcast ways to go like you're doing this like podcast has been booming i do mine spilling and dealing podcast that's another way of doing it but i i do feel like um you know and of course social media was it was huge in getting my following of all my my twitter followers and all that stuff and getting my name out there but now you got to kind of pivot and think long term what is next i you know I, this isn't groundbreaking or anything but for me specifically i would like to have a little bit more multimedia as far as videos go and maybe like highlights here and there but it is so difficult to find good help or people that are savvy as far as technology goes i mean you go on my website there's not a whole bunch of bells and whistles i've always said content is king and as long as you're you're putting out good resourceful content that's respected um, you'll be okay without all the, the amazing, cool graphics and bells and whistles and all that that fun stuff. Um, but what's next? Uh, that's always something I have to think about in the future. I just know 
And I always say if you work hard and you continue to do the best you can and do it the right way, good things will happen and doors will open. Um, I had a, a brief stint at a company called Sportal Space. That was a very fun, interesting ride. That was uh, very cool. And, you know, like I said, you just you work hard and doors open. But again, like you asked, you, you got to have an idea of what's going on towards the future. Now, I started a company called Create the Culture. Uh, CT, CTC Athletics on Instagram and Twitter and through them I run that with my friend and you know I guess it, you could say this is kind of what the next step was with Sandy Spiel but we started running um, fall leagues uh, we started running adult men's leagues we started running showcase camps so we had 41 boys campers 34 girls campers um, we had like a 12 team fall league we were gonna have a 22 team fall league in year two so we were almost going to double what we did the first year but covid hit and people don't want you in your gym so that really put that on pause but once everything gets back to normal uh i guess this could sum up and answer your question running more events is something i would like to do i had uh, at least one event this year i had a boys event during the season my girls event unfortunately got canceled because of covid um, but having more events, being there in person, more hands-on stuff where I can use that media as a tool um, to write about these kids and give them more exposure to these college coaches. Uh, I think that's my next step is just having more events. Right. So at, at what point did you feel like you actually made it and you could actually turn this into a career? Was that within the past year or was it a little further back than that? Oh, boy. Well, you know, before you can ask people to make uh, – ask people to – get their money i mean i just what it was sometime last year last season is when i put some of my content half my content behind a paywall but before you can work all the way up to that i had to prove to myself that okay number one you had a good following and number two you are well respected you have enough uh insight that people uh take your opinion and actually value it uh so those are two big things and um just last year, I decided to go and put it behind a paywall, and I didn't know what to expect. To be honest with you, when I first did that, I mean, I'm not super technologically savvy. I got this leaky paywall. I plugged it in. You have to do stuff on the back end with, like, coding and putting it in the right place. And in years past, I would have tried that, and I would have hit a little bit of resistance and said, uh, screw this. I don't know how to do it. I guess I'm just not going to do it. But I decided to, to, to continue to, to push forward and say, okay, I'm going to keep trying this and make sure I get it to work. And luckily, I got it all hooked up correctly. And I was like, well, I'm going to go with a, a game plan of putting my analysis on my state rankings, which I write like 3,000 words or, or however many words, more than that. I don't even know, 30,000, 3,000, whatever it is, about the, the, uh, the state rankings and kind of uh, give a, a, a good analysis of what's going on. I decided to put that behind a paywall. Um, and I was like, well, let's just see what happens, what becomes of it, and see if people want to subscribe and if they really like my stuff. And $10 a month, that's, uh, that's cheaper than some other outlets out there. And I know I'm going to be able to produce content year-round. And I did it. And, you know, fortunate for me, it's, uh, it's continued to grow. You know, it gets a little slow at times in the middle of the season, but – you get a big jump during the, the beginning of the season with the preseason rankings and this, that, and the other. Um, but that's when I noticed. Once I saw it start climbing and continue to put out good content and people continue to subscribe, I was like, okay, this is nice. This is this is good. And 
you know, I can't do this full time. I work with prep hoops as well. And I'm fortunate enough to work with them and do a lot of like scouting reports for them. So being able to pair my stuff with their stuff, I'm able to make a, a decent amount of money. Uh, like you said, you know, a decent amount of money to a sports writer is a lot different from someone that's working on Wall Street. Like our stuff is like you're you're in the broke house, but for us, you're like, hey man, I, I'm living really nice right now. I'm making X amount of dollars. This isn't too bad. I can move out of my parents' place. Um, <laughs> but that's pretty much uh, pretty much everything. I mean, just this past year, just seeing how how well it's been going and it's been growing, but. You know, it's subscribers, and when you're asking for people's money, you have to be able to make sure that you give them uh, their money's worth. you got to continue to put out content. You can't just, like, post one thing a week and then go black and disappear or then disappear during the um, during travel ball season. That is a, uh, a great responsibility on me to make sure people feel like they're getting enough content out of me. Um, and, it, it, you know, it, 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 it tends to, uh, at least I saw last year, sometimes – when it's not the high school basketball season, obviously some people are going to drop off because it's not high school basketball season. Some people, kids might graduate, this and the other. So there's a little bit of turnover here and there. But just being able to hold on to that strong core of people and continue to build and build and build off that, that is the main thing. And you know what? We're just over a year into it now. I'm pleased with where I'm at. But I, uh, I understand that there's a lot more work to be done to continue to grow and to continue to scale it to make sure this isn't just – going to be here for a year or two it's got to be here for a long time right and i remember seeing you down in macon last um last march um for the state championships and i guess looking back that was pretty much the last big sporting event in the state of georgia before covid hit and shut everything down so looking back how how fortunate were you for what you do to have dodged covid at least for last season and not having the end of the season ruined Oh yeah, that's that's huge, and I mean we're we're staring down the barrel of that right now again. I think I just saw a notification pop up on my phone, something with um, these Savannah schools. I think they just canceled the rest of their regular season or something like that. Didn't get a chance to click it, but you know stuff's always happening, and we we you know as a sports writer, uh, you know uh, we, you got to avoid that as much as possible because I had multiple events canceled uh, with with covid with my my ctc you know i had that that 22 team fall league that got canceled we were gonna have a an uh, an all-star game after the season last year that got canceled like the week before i had my girls event during the season this year get canceled so i was very fortunate to make it through uh the high school season last year because you know it it shut everything down what like a week or two later right. um and we're just hoping that you know we keep keep the ball bouncing we kind of know how to be you know, as safe as possible with wearing masks and social distancing and limiting the amount of people in the crowd. And of course, saving lives by eliminating the jump ball. Um, hopefully uh, we can continue on this season because yeah, if, if, if COVID hits and basketball is completely shut down, um, that hurts me a lot because I need the ball bouncing because really basketball a hundred percent is my livelihood. I work for prep hoops and I work with my company sandy spill and that's it everything in my life revolves around basketball i guess i'm obsessed with it i don't know but i love doing it and if the ball stops bouncing for a prolonged period of time i am in trouble and i know when COVID hit uh months ago last year whatever um it did give me pause to think shoot you know sports can be taken away in the blink of an eye do i need to pivot and do i need to get a real big boy job in something outside of sports um luckily i did not have to do that but those are real scary 
uh, conversations you have to have with yourself sometimes when you're in the sports industry. Right. So who do you think did the research um, that said jump balls are more dangerous to contracting COVID than uh, face guarding another player? <laughs> oh boy i don't know if it was a cdc or the ghsa it could have been a collaborative agreement nfhs might have had some input i really don't know but uh like i said I- i'm glad that uh kids are saving their lives they don't have to jump up the ball but they can block out and sweat on each other and trash talk the entire game but thank god that that two seconds of standing in the circle have been eliminated countless lives saved yeah and i'm sure a few injuries you know you could pop an achilles you know jumping up for a ball like that (laughs) every day is a a blessing as the kids say so yeah you can't take anything for granted anymore right jake you got something for him yeah so uh i mean obviously you've built this brain for yourself and everything um but so what is your day-to-day schedule like i mean and and how do you manage to cover the entire state like you do good question sir so uh, luckily, I'm able to work from home. I got a nice little desk, uh, so I call it my office at the house. So I wake up. I usually like to try and go to the gym because we all know uh, sports writers sometimes that can be a sedentary lifestyle. Sitting behind a keyboard all day. I mean, I know I got a, a, a big gut right now, which it's not huge, but I, I, I would like to be a little bit skinnier. So that is challenging, but get a workout in, and then I just look at the day. So Sunday mornings. And Monday mornings, I know I'm doing rankings. Boys rankings on Sundays, girls rankings on Mondays. And after I do boys rankings on Sundays, I might come back Sunday afternoon and start some prep work on the girls. So I might do all the research as far as the, the results and start ranking the teams. But I won't do my, my write-up on the girls until Monday. So that kind of shortens down Mondays a little bit. After that, I kind of look at what I got going on. Did I go to some games during the week that I need to catch up on? I like to go to games. I have to write about those games, whether it be for my website or for prep hoops. So with that, I got to write a little bit of a list. So say if I go to three games, I kind of got to mock it out and say, okay, I want to maybe write one or two stories for Sandy Spiel. I might need to write six or seven stories for prep hoops um, and just kind of go from there. It kind of depends on everything. And, you know, with stories being written, that means I have to go to games. So Tuesday nights, I got to decide, is there a nice game that I really want to go to? Do I want to get out there and cover it? Or do I want to stay at home at night and um, do my game night recaps where I sit at home on my computer and try to get 60, 70, 80 recaps from across the state of Georgia while I'm sitting on Twitter and just kind of compiling all the stats and aggregating it and all that. So that's that's usually my day-to-day. It just depends. Um, In shorthand, uh, the morning times is when I, I do my stories And then the nighttime is when I decide, do I want to work from home or do I want to actually go out and go to a game and uh, cover that game? And how do I cover the entire state? It's just having knowledge of what's going on in the state. I mean, in theory, you you would think I, I better I better have a good idea of what's going on in the entire state if I'm ranking both boys and girls every single classification and uh then it's just, you know, I, I what games I go to, I usually kind of pick based on storylines, based on are there some good players in that game, and also based on um, is it kind of like a place that needs it? Like if there's a superstar big-time 7A game and there's two juggernaut programs playing, I always say this, uh, if there's 50 media outlets in the state of Georgia and like 48 of them are going to the same game, how is that benefiting? How is that helping the rest of the state? 
Like those five-star guys, you don't need Kyle Sandy in the gym to write about you. You don't need Kyle Sandy there to say, oh, this guy's really, really good. No crap. Everybody knows about that. You can go on ESPN and look and say, oh, he's got Duke offers and Clemson offers. He's got all this stuff. Those guys don't really need me. Now, obviously, I try to go to those games because I got to know about how good these teams are and I got to rank the top teams and know who the top players are and the top, the best teams are as far as rankings go. Um, but it's it's more important for those guys that are the, the fringe Division two and junior college players and stuff like that. Those are the guys that need the push, especially like the, the kids that might be in the rural areas and like Class 3A or 2A or sometimes even in 4A. I mean, Gwinnett County, just throw a stone, you're going to hit five Division One players. You're, you're going to find them everywhere. It's it's easy, and that's not a knock on those guys because they have, you know, they have great media coverage. Gwinnett Daily Post, they cover those guys fantastically well, and they're obviously going to get the big-name media guys to come to the big-time Showtime games. But uh, as an example, last year we had what? It was like uh, Grayson versus McEachern in the uh, Final Four at Buford Arena. Oh, Kyle, you got to go to that game. You got to go to that game. Uh, of course, yeah, that's that's the biggest game in the state. I was in Milledgeville watching 2A basketball, watching Swainsboro, watching Glen Hills, watching Farrell, watching Chattooga, instead of watching all these future NBA draft picks. But those are the guys that need the coverage. Those are the guys that need to push a little bit more. I mean, what am I going to write about when I watch Scoot Henderson play? He's a fantastic player. I could already tell you the scouting report. Great athlete, gets downhill, has really worked on his outside shot. Great at getting to his spots in the mid-range. Great pull-up jumper. Uh, I really love his ceiling. Tenacious player. I think he's going to be an NBA lottery pick. I can already tell you that. I've seen him play a- enough times, and everyone else is going to tell you the same thing. But what about that random uh, 5'11 guard from Whereversville that's three hours away from Atlanta that is pretty good, but the only time he's reading his name is in their local newspaper that comes out maybe once every two weeks or whatever it is. And no one's going to know about him because he's not playing on the shoe circuit team. He's not playing on a big-time travel team. His team may or may not be uh, all that great in the first place, but this kid can really play. But he doesn't have the same media outlets and that same exposure that some of these other kids in bigger areas have. Those are the kids that really need the help, and those are the kids that I really do Sandy Spiel for. I I love covering those fringe-type players that are doing it the right way, the homegrown kids in the smaller schools, smaller towns. Those kids really need some love, not the five-star guys, because everyone else is going to give them love. If Kyle Sandy's not in the gym, it does not make a difference, but it might make a difference when you go to a social circle Towns County game when they're not getting a whole lot of media attention that's statewide coverage. Right. I gotcha. And then, um, I mean, so you're going to all these games and everything, um, and you're a busy guy. I find myself, you know, when I'm going to all these games, I'm hitting up the concession stand because I'm a busy guy. I'm running around. I don't have time to eat. Uh, do you have a go-to concession stand food? Or, like, I mean, who has impressed you in the state with having good stuff? Oh, gosh. Well, <sighs> I hate to be that guy, but I don't, I don't do the concession stand. Here's my what? thing. This is probably... This is why I'm probably super fat. Well, again, I would sh- I'll would i show you my gut right now on FaceTime. It's not terrible, but it's not great. Um, I usually get, uh, depending on how far I am away from home, I, I just moved to Kennesaw in November, so I'm a little bit closer to everything. I was in Rome before that, and that was kind of way out there. But um, I'll usually just get some fast food, sadly enough, on the way back home and eat that. And... You know, the reason why I do that and why I can't really do the concession stands during the game 
is because I was diagnosed with diabetes on uh, December 21st, 2017. So I just had my three-year anniversary not too long ago. So that really kind of changes things for me because I used to be a go, 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 crazy guy, work, work, work. And I still am, but I can't, you know, I I, got to make sure I I take a shot because I got to take a shot in the morning before breakfast and before dinner um, at night. So usually how that plays out, I'll go to a game. And then afterwards, when I get into my car, which the game will finish at, you know, you know nine o'clock or so, something like that, which is you know pr- pretty much the perfect time to check my blood sugar, take my shot and say, oh, I, I got uh, 75 blood sugar. That means it's a little low. So that means I, I can go and kind of scrounge up some food and, you know, have a little bit of a cheat day per se and eat some bad food just to get my blood sugar up. Um, so that that. That's that pretty much is, uh, I guess, behind the scenes look at how I have to eat my food and everything. And it's, uh, you know, I got that three years ago, like I said, and that was kind of a, a jarring thing because I was in the, I was in the hospital for eighteen hours. I lost, uh, gosh, how much did I lose? I lost like thirty pounds or so um, during that stretch when I was in uh, whatever uh, DKA. I was gonna go in a. Uh, almost a diabetic coma I checked in with like a blood sugar of 900 wow. and uh, a normal blood sugar is 100 so I and you know the funny part of that was because I was still going to games and sorry if this is getting off topic from the concession stand food but <laughs> <No>. <laughs> this uh, this is a uh, another interesting story but this was during so like I said three years ago and this was when I don't know if you remember because it, it happens every once in a while but we had terrible snowstorms so like all these games were getting postponed and um, so I, I was trying to go to like maybe four games in a in that week, a f- like a five day uh, week or so, whatever it is. And I was just chugging along. And I remember going to uh, Stevens County again, random place up northeast Georgia, way up there, Stevens County versus St. Pius. And right when I got there, and this is before I knew anything was wrong. I knew something was kind of up, but I didn't know what was going on. I got there, and the first thing I, I did was. Where is the water fountain? I'm so thirsty. I'm so thirsty. So I had all the trademark symptoms of this. Um, and I was still, you know, trucking along and working. And, you know, I, I lose all that weight. And I'm, I'm drinking so much water. When you drink so much water nonstop, then you have to go to the bathroom nonstop. So I'm peeing like five, six, seven times in the middle of the night. And when you keep getting your sleep disrupted, um, you have no energy the next day. So then I'm super tired. I'm drained. I'm still trying to plug along and do all this work and everything. So then, um, you know, when we get to the to the the tipping point, I'm at home, of course, on my laptop during game night, trying to collect game night recaps, and I don't have my glasses on, and I notice like, shoot, I can't really see five feet in front of me. Everything's getting blurry with or without glasses, and that's not a good sign. When you start losing your vision, you know something's really wrong. So then my parents were like, no, 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 we, we're definitely taking you in to urgent care. And that's when I got the diagnosis and I was in bed for 18 hours and got the three IV bags and everything. So that was uh, an interesting experience. And I, everywhere I go, anytime I take a road trip somewhere or I go to these games at night, I have to bring my medicine and my syringes and all that good stuff with me to make sure I stay alive. So that, in summary, is... Uh, kind of why I can't really do concession sand too much because I have to take a shot before and 
Lord knows with COVID and everything, people do not want to see me pulling out my belly and bringing out a syringe in the middle of a crowd. That could be bad news. No doubt. Wow, man, that's tough to segue from that. That's a crazy story. I think I do remember uh, hearing that about you. I don't know if you posted it or you just told me mm-hmm. yourself, but um, yeah, my dad is diabetic too, so I understand. Uh, I understand that lifestyle for sure. I don't have it myself, thankfully, but um, I know that can be uh, that just. That takes that that adds more to your your plate than you would like, but I guess it's just something you have to deal with. Oh yeah, it, it's it's all good. I've been able to manage everything well. I just got my A one C back the other day. Had a blood test, so it's it really doesn't affect me too much. It, the, the, just the worst thing was that it happened what four days before Christmas. So then I had to go to my my cousin's house and I got all these cookies and all this great spread. And I'm just like, yeah, I can't do cookies anymore. But other than that, it's all good. Right. So one big thing I wanted to ask you, you know, to do this, you have to know pretty much every team in the state, you know, all the way down to the private schools and all those South Georgia schools. And it's a lot. So how did you go about learning about these schools and getting these contacts? Did you always have a pretty good understanding and grasp of where the top teams in the state were even going back to your playing days or was this like a big learning curve for you of just trying to learn all of these teams before you could like you know assess them correctly yeah that's a good question i mean growing up you always knew wheeler is going to be good norcross is going to be good milton's going to have some good talent uh, so at the at the highest level some of those teams usually never change right. <laughs> and that, that's a that's a story for another day probably about how they're able to win 25 games every single year for decades and decades and decades. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had a general idea of, okay, you know, I, I was in Cherokee County, so I know what Cherokee County is like. And I know Cobb County was usually like our big brother. Cobb County is always really good. And, you know, you kind of know the food chain, like, okay, um, Cobb County is probably better than us, but we sure as hell are better than Pickens County. Sorry, Pickens County. But we, you know, you saw Pickens County or those North you know, North Georgia schools. You know, you could handle them, and you kind of work your way out. But um, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to remember when I first got back into it, like five, six years ago, about like figuring out the landscape of who's good. I, like I said, I, I kind of have a, a general idea of who these top teams are. But every single year you do it, you get more and more information to pull from, and more and more history uh, to pull from, and. Um, I used to have every single region memorized, but, you know, they, they shifted everything around this year, so I, I feel kind of guilty. I know a decent amount, but I don't have it as lock, stock, barrel as I had last year, and uh, I, hopefully I'll be able to completely memorize everything much better as, as time goes on, but uh, I think something that I, I've really enjoyed about covering the state and learning about all these schools and knowing these mascots of all these random schools across the state of Georgia, which I pride myself in, um, it's just getting to know the the geography and the demographics and just taking these road trips and going to these random places like Lincoln County and Seminole County. Um, where else have I been? Calhoun. People have heard of Calhoun. But I've been to just random places all throughout the the state of Georgia over these years and it just helps me kind of piece everything together geographically and gives me an idea of uh, oh this is what it's like to live here and at at Mill Creek High School and Lanier High School and going down to Upson Lee and all these places Dalton Georgia up there Um, I guess with this high school basketball endeavor 
it's kind of given me more of an appreciation for road trips and just seeing different towns and seeing different places that you usually don't see and that probably people outside of that small city uh people probably don't even know where they are on a map so that's kind of given me a you know it's it's been a positive fun experience just seeing all these other places and seeing how they live like seminole county uh, i went when they had jordan harris who was at uga I, wa- I went to see them play um thomasville and reggie perry just transferred in and was like a sophomore at thomasville now he's in the nba but i remember after the after the game like the only place in town i think it was either a mcdonald's or a hardy but they had like 70 cars there like the entire city of donaldsonville was at that one fast food restaurant after the game because that was a hot spot that's all they had uh down down south over there so it's just cool seeing every place but yeah as far as how i know all this stuff you really have to base it on history and you know once i'm into it five six years now you kind of have a, a good idea and um, know what these schools typically do as far as their history goes, uh, competing at the statewide level in the state tournament. But uh, I do love geography, and it's just been really, really, really cool being able to go to these random places all across the state and, and kind of feel like I'm a big deal that I'm in the, in the gym uh, showing these kids some love and kind of helping put them on the map a little bit more. I remember kind of one of our first interactions was – back in the um the east jackson days when i was covering east jackson a good bit with uh drew drennan and travis anderson were up there that's right and yes. my alma mater jackson county was having like a historic season yes. that year and you made the Coach trip up Butler. to jackson county yeah oh yeah yeah those yeah. are some those are some fun times i mean drew drennan he goes to pebblebrook after that travis anderson goes to um grayson and they both mm-hmm. have great high school careers and are both at the college ranks right now so um yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure that was kind of your first experience going, coming up my way to Jackson County and <laughs> experiencing what, what basketball is like up this way. Oh, yeah, the Panthers. Great, great stuff over there. And I love, oh, my God, I forget who it is, but they do phenomenal work. I love their graphics. I love their logos. And, you know, Coach Butler's not coaching over there anymore. But, boy, oh, boy, they, uh, they, they, they've, uh, they've really put themselves on the map somewhat. I mean, Caleb Clinton's there now. He's mm-hmm. a terrific player. He'll be – He'll be gone after this year, so they will likely take a, a dip. But, yeah, just seeing them when they were like the little homegrown boys, they had a couple baseball players, what, Joel Ellis or something like that inside, got these guys, and, and Preston Giroux maybe. I don't know how I'm pulling these names off the top of my head. Uh, but I think yeah, you're just, right too, yeah. <laughs> just going in and watching those guys beat like East Jackson, these other teams that had all these guys transfer in and so it's that's what I like. It's awesome seeing these just these homeschool teams that this might be their best team and you might have to wait another five, six, seven years so they make the state playoffs again. But boy, if you go at the right time, it is it's a special place to see a community come together and support those kids. Uh, always love that about that type of basketball. No doubt about it. And I'd be remiss not to, uh, you know, mention my my Rockdale girls down there. That's that I've been on them for since day one, ever since I got down to Rockdale. And I've just kind of watched them at, since they were sophomores really grow into what they are now. I mean, they were a program, you know, probably better than I do. That Nobody really talked about Rockdale. They weren't a, a well-known team. They, they didn't get a lot of wins, never really, really made the playoffs. And now here they are kind of reaching their peak uh, with a couple seniors and have only lost what two or three games this year mm-hmm. look like they're running away with a with the region championship how, how awesome is it just to see teams like that you know come out of nowhere almost and have now kind of turned into like a formidable team year in and year out 
Oh yeah, it's it's the best. Like that's that's why I do it. Covering teams that do it the right way, and then uh, just watching uh, these kids that are in these you know some some what of a a smaller area where they don't get as much media exposure but uh homeschool hometown kids and teams that go through the ebbs and flows the naturalness of it all not the somehow we have five-star kids transferring every single year and we never skip a beat that's not high school basketball to me it's just it's just not really it i understand if you get really good and sometimes a player will move in here or there but it can't be every single time a player moves in it's a guy that already has the espn or a rival's profile. That just can't be it. But, yeah, I, I was able to watch Rockdale, and one of their very rare losses when they lost to a Grayson, I believe it was. But that, that's a good team. I mean, they got the freshman, Danielle Carnegie. She's she's really tough. I don't know if Destiny's her sister, but yeah, they had the is. same. Yeah, I mean, she does a really nice job of knocking down threes. They had that cohesion of finding each other in the right spots. Elena Moore, I watched her play. I liked her a lot. I think she plays bigger than her size. She's aggressive. She's tough. She can go in there and rebound, but can also, uh, you know, drive to the basket and, and has a, a you know a, a outside shot that's kind of expanding some. So they have they they have some nice pieces. And then, you know, Shaquise May was uh, what Jacksonville State, I believe. She's right. she's I don't she's played like six games. Hopefully, she's able to come back at some point. But her not even being in the picture and them being as good as they are this year. That's that's just a testament to your man. Uh, what's his name? Coach Turley, Coach right? Turley. That's, that's your guy. Uh, yeah, it's just it's it's great to see that, and it is kind of like a darn. I wish she was healthy, but the ball continues to roll, and they continue to win games, and that's uh, it's it's a beautiful thing. And I, before we get off Rockdale, I want to hear about your experiences with Coach Turley because you tell me this guy is a fantastic, great guy, and I want you to give him some love on this brand new podcast. Yeah, I mean, really, from the day I met him, um, he's just kind of a, a big, jolly giant, uh, real tall guy. He's probably 6'8". I think he played uh, he played college basketball. I don't remember where exactly, but it just seems like the like he connects with the girls like really well. I think that was a kind of an issue with the previous coach, and he was an assistant coach at the time, where you know there was kind of a disconnect. The, the coach to player relationship wasn't the greatest and maybe that kind of stunted their growth a little bit because they still had some talent the year before he got there they pretty much returned everybody that his first year and they made the playoffs two years ago so it just seems like he has such a he, he can connect to the with the girls in in a way that i haven't really seen before and they just fully bought into what he's trying to do and on top of that he's a great coach he really stresses defense, and, and you can really see that when you watch them. And it's just it's just been fun to see a coach that had never been a head coach before just step right into a program that didn't have a, a, a rich history and has already won, what, 56 games in two and a half years and has made back, back-to-back playoff appearances, won a re- their first region championship in like 30-something years last year, and it looks like they're going to win back-to-back if they don't have a slip-up here in the region tournament. So it's just been such such a fun team to watch. And the fact that they're beating teams in the way that they're beating them this year, I look back to like the Heritage game, you know, that was a team they just couldn't beat. And, you know, it's a crosstown rival. So, you know, it's always going to be a close game no matter what the talent level is on at, at each school. I'm sure you've seen that a million times. And, you know, Heritage pretty much returned everybody this year and so did Rockdale. And yet Rockdale comes out and beats them bad this year and i love yeah. i love the girls over at heritage shoddy harrell such a great player Kristen gauche is 
awesome player too but they just had no answer for Rockdale a couple weeks ago and Rockdale just that was the game I was like wow this team's really good and Shaquise May didn't even play like you said she's been hurt pretty much the whole season so it's just been a blast to watch them and I know it's unfortunate there that they're in 6a now they were in 7a for the past four or five years and you know overall as a school that's probably better for them um to compete at 6a but the fact they're 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 in 6a now and you have westlake sitting up there on top of the uh yeah standings it's tough man yeah that's uh that's that's unfortunate for everybody because you're you shoot you look top to bottom in the top 10 and even outside the top 10 you got a legitimate chunk of teams that could win state titles in different classifications buford girls Carrollton girls kale girls uh langston hughes lovejoy girls these are all really good teams sprayberry girls all really good teams and you look at all the records everyone's like 16 and 2 or 17 and 1 like these are all teams that are are juggernauts and it's scary because lovejoy and langston hughes they go like four and five in the poll both are 15 and five both have tremendous wins over really good teams else both those teams got beat by like 30 and 40 points by westlake and it's just it's ridiculous um i i just don't i don't understand or see how anyone could beat westlake because they they just had that that one percent and sometimes when you have the one percent it doesn't matter who you play against they have the one percent and the one percent is raven johnson who's a five-star point guard going to south carolina she can just do everything and they have tania latson who transferred in last year who's a tremendous athlete she gets like all her points in transition and layups and i mean they just they can sit in the two three zone and just johnson and latson act like they're playing a, a full court press because they're so long they get all these steals and transition like i saw them beat what forest park like 70 to 34 and it was just ridiculous just it was a bloodbath and i just don't know how anyone's going to be able to beat them they got brianna turnage who's more of a defensive stopper but she's got them better on offense as a 6-2 wing going to virginia tech um they're just they're a special team this is the best dynasty we've seen in the state of georgia since maya moore and I mean, they they haven't lost a game in Georgia since Raven Johnson's been a freshman. They've won over a hundred straight games. Yeah, since they're like they're likely going to win another state title. That's going to be a four peat. And I don't know. I don't think Maya Moore won four straight. I was trying to look at the past champions. Maybe I I missed it. I thought I saw maybe she won like three state titles. But to win four straight state titles, three of those being in seven A, and then your last one being in six A, which is the best classification in the state of Georgia, it's incredible. Yeah, you've seen them in person a lot more than I have, but the highlights I see from them, it's almost like they're just going through the motions, and yet it just it works. It's just so smooth. They do everything perfect almost. They every open three they have, they drain it. They you know, like you said, they steal a million passes. It's just it's incredible to watch them play. Yeah, they're they're in, insane in transition. Like if you're another team. I don't know what to do other than take a shot and have four people sprint back on defense and play like a prevent defense in football because it's ridiculous. You cannot let them beat you in transition, but they're going to beat you in transition. And it's just, it's, it's crazy. And like you said, they just go through the motion. Half the time their starters play two quarters or two and a half quarters and they're done. They don't even play the fourth quarter. So teams can't even play them close. I think they played one game that was fairly close this year. Um, but other than that, it's just like they're steamrolling teams. And 
What other team are you watching where there's they're throwing multiple alley oops per game? Raven Johnson and Tania Lesson, I saw them throw like three alley oops to each other. Now they didn't finish them with dunks, but they're legit throwing lobs and they're finishing layups on lob passes, alley oop style. It's ridiculous what they're doing. So if you're a Georgia high school basketball fan, uh, and even if you you know, if you like girls basketball, if you don't like girls basketball, Westlake might make you rethink that because they're that good. Right. So if you look at Rockdale and where they're ranked, you have them ranked, what is it, 10th in 6A? Uh, looks like the girls are currently ranked in 6A, 10th. Yes, sir. Right. If they were still in 7A, you think they'd be a little bit higher than that? Uh, I, I think so. I think they could be higher. I mean, 7A, it's been tough. I mean, it's been challenging. This is a little bit of a, an overlying theme, but when I'm trying to rank teams and some teams have played 22 games and other teams have played like four games or six games, especially in the lower classification, it drives me bonkers. Like you got Campbell girls that are 10 and one right now. And you got uh, Cherokee that's played 23 games, but McKeatron's only played 14 games, but Rockdale looking at that, like I could see them being somewhere in that. They could be in that five to 10 range, possibly i know north polding just lost so they're going to be slipping so i think rockdale could be a, a middle middle of the pole team and, and you know you, you play in 7a that's going to change the teams you're playing against and, uh non-region schedule might be a little bit different and right. just depends on what their region would be like but they would definitely be a top 10 team just based on even what they've done this year with the the, the schedule they played and the teams they beat now they did lose to grayson who's only like six and nine but grayson's played a tough schedule but I mean, they pounded Grovetown, who's been a little bit of a disappointment this year. They beat them twice. They beat Dutchtown, who's pretty good. They beat Luella. Yeah, who's that's number, a big win. Yeah, number one in the state, who looks really freaking good in Class 4A. And they beat Maynard Jackson, who beat Kel. Uh, so they have some really nice wins. They beat Brookwood. Uh, that, that, you know, Rockdale's a good team. And like we mentioned many times already, they're not even at full strength without you know Miss May over there playing. Uh, but that is a really good team, and they would be a, a tough team to beat in Class 7A, as they are already in Class 6A. No doubt. So my, my boy over here, Jake, he uh, covers Lumpkin County High School, and Lumpkin County girls are having a pretty historic season, and I know you've seen them too, man. What you, have you seen out of uh, Lumpkin County so far? Oh, yeah, Coach Dallas, uh You know, it's it's a special thing when, when you can yell at these girls and, you know, coach them so extremely hard. But they love you, and you love them, and there's that mutual respect and bond and know that, okay, he, coach might get on me, but I know at the end of the day he's doing it for the best, uh, you know, for the best of me, to, to get the best out of me and to look out for me. And it, it's just incredible. When you're a coach and you can get girls or boys, anybody, to run through a brick wall, it doesn't matter if you don't have big-time Division One superstars or great athletes or anything like that. If you get a team to execute your game plan, and they'll run through a brick wall for you, the sky is the limit. And Lumpkin County is doing that. Um, they got, you know, Avery Jones is a great player. I saw her over the summer. You know, she's made an immediate impact as a freshman now. I, I left Lumpkin County. I wanted Lumpkin County and maybe like number seven or so, or maybe a little higher in the preseason. But I watched Kate Jackson tear her ACL in the off season, and mm -hmm. I was like, "Well, shoot! I know that's a double double girl. She averaged over ten and ten last year as a freshman. That's gonna kind of push them more towards being a, a guard oriented team." But with Avery Jones coming in, and you got Isabel Davenport going to North Georgia, 
where dad's uh, the softball coach over there. Uh, it, it, it all, you know, makes sense. I was like, okay, this is going to be more of a guard-oriented team, but they've just been tremendous this year, and they've been whooping up on teams. Now, I, I, you know, outside of their loss to White County in overtime, I probably saw them play one of their worst games of the season, especially offensively. Uh, at the uh, the uh, the Kelly King Classic, they beat Mill Creek forty-two to twenty-seven, but that was a low-scoring game, and it was just ugly. So I have not been able to see Lumpkin County at their very best. I know they just won ninety-six to ten against <laughs> West Hall last night and hit eighteen threes. Um, but this is a really good team. They're a really good team. They beat in good teams. They played uh, a tough schedule. So you played Cherokee, you played North Forsyth, you played Buford, and you played them all very well. And they blew a double-digit lead to North Forsyth, which they held at the you know at halftime. So this is a really good team. Three um, A has definitely changed. Johnson, I know Johnson Savannah is really good, and I know Beach is good. But I'm sorry, I just don't think they're as good as what they were last year. Johnson, they only have eight eight players on the roster, which Coach Dowse knows all about. He always has only about eight or nine girls on the <laughs> roster. They're, yes, they're always underclassmen, it feels like. Um, so uh, Johnson, where, where Johnson could, could concern me against a team like Lumpkin, and this isn't to say like Johnson is the only team that's really good and has a shot to win a state title outside of Lumpkin, but where Johnson concerns me with a lot of these North Georgia schools is they have uh, Kalia Hankerson, and Amani Hamilton, and both of them are very athletic, six foot one wings that can score a little bit inside, uh, well, score most of their points inside, but can also do a little bit of damage outside. And you know they're going to be very aggressive on defense. They're going to use that length and that speed to get some steals and everything. But I don't think that Johnson has the great guard play that they've had in years past. And Beach, on the other hand, they have great guard play in Kayla Rozier, who's going to North Florida. But I don't think she has a supporting cast that Beach has had in years past. So that is the two things where I feel like these Savannah teams are very dangerous, and you're not going to want to see them in the state tournament. But if you're with some of these other teams like Sonoraville, Lumpkin County, Koala Creek, Upson Lee, who's ranked number one, you have to feel good about your chances of winning the state title this year. The one thing with Lumpkin County is they – are and I'll say this about Sonoraville as well because I've seen them play twice and they shoot the lights out as well. If three point shots aren't dropping, that is where it kind of concerns me a little bit. And three point shots were not dropping against Mill Creek when they played them uh, during Christmas time, and that's why they only scored 42 points and it was 42 27. Now they played good defense, but to be honest with you, Mill Creek, uh, I know they're a 7A school, but Mill Creek, that's not like a super great team they're three and 15 they don't have a ton of great scores they just couldn't put the ball in the basket they played good defense as well um but with these teams i just worry about the three-point shot if teams are able to get them out of sync and not let them get those shots on the perimeter that does worry me but lumpkin county is an exceptionally good team uh i just feel like when i watched them play mill creek you know it was you know they pass the ball around the perimeter and they get open looks but you know come state tournament time uh, if you do play some of these really good uh, defensive teams that can man you up and kind of make you uh, not be able to rotate the ball around and they don't sit in the zone and all that, uh, sometimes I think when plays break down or when games get close, you need someone to step up and make that individual one-on-one move to break down the defense and either score at the rim or kick out to shooters. And, you know, the kick out to shooters thing, that 
that could work exceptionally well. That could work great if they're knocking down those shots. But if they're in a dogfight and three-point shots aren't dropping, I need to see who is going to create off the dribble and get baskets going into the paint. Isabel is a good shooter. She's not usually like getting to the rack at will like that. She is a quality driver. I think Avery Jones is a little bit better of a driver than she is. Um, Lexi Pierce has stepped up with some big games this year. Mackenzie Caldwell, I think she's more of just an energy player. And the defensive player, she gets a ton of steals and gets some rebounds. Um, she's not a huge threat to get you a lot of offense, but she'll hit some baskets here and there. And then Molinax as well is a, a quality forward wing type player. But like I said, I just if they get into a close game and it does come down to one-on-one skill, is someone going to be able to beat their man off the dribble and get to the basket? But like I said, Lumpkin County is well-deserving of their ranking. They are as good as it potentially could get in Class 3 outside of Upson Lee right now, who's been undefeated and has beaten a lot of good teams. But I really like Lumpkin County, and depending on how, how this uh, you know the state tournament brackets lay out, they have as good a shot as anybody to make it to Macon. Yeah, I would say, uh, I mean, talking to Dallas at the beginning of the season, you know, he told me, he said, hey, if we had Kay Jackson, like this would no doubt be a Final Four team, which is something that is unheard of in Lumpkin County. The, the way that he's turned that program around is just, you know, crazy. But uh, I mean, I, I would, th- I remember that game that you're talking about, and, and I would say that they've, you know, that seems to have been an emphasis, you know, I remember even hearing, you know, just the people talking outside of that game, they, they live by the three and die by the three, and I think they've... You know, they've really, in the in the moment since, and, and especially that White County game, seemed to be kind of a wake-up call, but uh, they, they've kind of tried to adjust, you know, and, and do some more, you know, different stuff on offense, you know, where it's more, you know, driving the ball around and everything. And, and uh, you know, Mary Mullinax for sure uh, has been one point that of emphasis that stuck out to me because, I mean, she didn't play at all last season. And then uh, and just to watch her, I guess, regain that uh, confidence in her ACL, I guess, as the seasons went along. I mean, it's just been night and day from, you know, the very first game of the season. Yeah, they're – they're, they're legit, and that's a good point that she did miss, you know, last year. And, you know, it, it sucks that Kate got hurt this year. And I, I felt like, oh, crap, this is going to be one of those what-if moments. But much like Collins Rockdale team, you have one of your best players go out, it doesn't matter. It's next girl up. And they've really, you know, carried that water, and they've continued to play at a very high level. Now, they got two tough games. And I just did a podcast on Spielman and Dillon, which has not come out yet. But I said – this is going to decide, you know, not only the region, but could potentially decide their fate as far as the state playoffs go at Gilmer and at White County to end the season. If they can take care of business with those two wins, and then I'm assuming they are having a region tournament, if they can somehow get that number one seed, that would be really, really big for Lumpkin County because they are more than capable of doing it. It's just one of those things, can we get the job done? we got to make sure we haven't peaked at the right time. And I don't think peaking at the right time, or make sure we, they didn't peak too early, make sure they're peaking at the right time. And I don't think they've peaked too early. They've been playing consistently good basketball throughout the year, and I think that's going to bode very, very well once they get into the state tournament. But, of course, you want to get as good a seed as possible. And just looking at, what, Region 7, looking at that top right-hand quadrant where they'd be matched up against, let me pull it up right here, class 3a you're going up against maybe a one seed in region one that would be like long count not not long county but pierce county or tattnall county usually quality programs but not really a, a super big threat to make a deep run 
Um, they, they, they have a shot. They have a really good shot to, uh, to make a deep run and do some damage, but you got to take care of business first. But like you said, just getting a little bit more of just a three point shot. So Norville can fall into the same thing. And it, you know, Lumpkin County's not the only one that loves a three point shot. Norville loves it too. They just being able to balance everything, but they are a very good team. You are not kidding about that. Man, I've got to share a little bit of love with the boys' side of basketball since we've talked the last few minutes about girls. So just briefly, man, who's kind of stood out to you on the boys' side? I know in 7A you have Milton, who's kind of looking like the the front runner to win a state title. But, man, in 7A, it looks like if they slip up, you've got a handful of teams there that are, are right for the taking if uh, they could all win it, it looks like. Yeah, Milton's been as good as advertised. They had a couple missteps early on in the season, but they got all their football guys back and they bought into all the roles. Everything's uh, working extremely well. Grayson hasn't played in a little while due to a quarantine, but they should be coming back this week. Um, that's a good team. Robert Coward moved in. Uh, your boy Chauncey Wiggins moved in. Uh, Tyrese Elliott came from Alabama. Uh, you got Ian Shefflin, who's already there, going to Clemson. Tajay Kelly going to Charleston Southern has been really really good he's been a revelation this year has really improved over the offseason so Grayson talking to coach Pierce um, they're a rare team that wants to punch you in the mouth and go inside out play inside out and when you got six eight six eight six nine they're capable of doing that and I think that could cause some issues for a lot of teams you look at Pebblebrook has been very good but they just got beat by McEachern the other day um, but those are those are the teams that I'm looking at right now Milton Grayson Pebblebrook McEachern Berkmark can come and go at times. Uh, I think they have the talent to compete with those teams, but really that top four, I think that's a, a little bit of a different echelon from the rest of 7A, Milton, Grayson, Pebblebrook, and McEachin. All those teams are really, really good. And as always, it's uh, it's extremely difficult to win a 7A title. Just ask Grayson a year ago when they, they fell short against Wheeler. Um, that's one of the, the, the toughest things to do in the entire nation is to win a GHSA state title in Class 7A. How competitive is 6A looking right now? 6A is super competitive. It's very deep. While you have 7A, that top four is kind of head and shoulders above the rest. And even if you want to throw like Berkmar in there as far as talent goes, um, I understand that. But top to bottom, like 1 through 15, 1 through 20, 6A is super deep. Wheeler. It's it's very weird talking about Wheeler not being in the highest classification right. in the state of Georgia. Um, but they've done really well. Scoot Henderson has just taken his game to another level with Kel. He's just single handedly carrying them and um I've heard I've heard rumors. I haven't released this anywhere. I've heard rumors. I have heard rumors that Henderson this could potentially be his last year at Kel. Don't hold me to it, but I heard he might be trying to reclassify and get out and get to uh, college or the league ladies uh, and gentlemen we have breaking news <laughs> yeah don't 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 tweet that anywhere i have a source that has a source so um yeah keep keep an eye on that i haven't like i said i haven't i haven't put the breadcrumbs out on that anywhere yet but if it happens don't be overly surprised uh but the rest of six say yeah chattahoochee has aj white jordan brown transferred in from saint francis in the middle of the year gave him a great backcourt running made and Shiloh's really difficult with just their defensive grinded out style of play. Evans has some talented pieces over there in Augusta. Richmond Hill came and played at my CTC Classic. I really like them. Their only loss came to Statesboro this past week, but Jaden Marshall, their best player, was sitting out with COVID, but he's back now. So 
that that one loss is kind of like an asterisk. I think uh, Coach Henderson does a terrific job over there. Um, a lot of good teams. A lot of good teams even outside the top ten. Like Winder Barrow is dangerous with 6'9 and 6'10, capable of doing things with Wyatt Fricks and Isaiah Nelson O'Doe. There's, there's a lot of good teams in Class 6A. North Atlanta is like 18-3 and three at one point. I mean, it's, it's deep. It's really deep, but... Uh, I think everything's going to run through Wheeler and Kell at the end of the day. Those two teams are just, um, they're built for it, I guess you could say. Are there any other teams in some of these lower classifications that are having great years? I know Sandy Creek and, and Three Ace, um, they came into the season with you know loaded talent, got a couple transfers, a couple guys. I know Miles Rice is down there now, uh, transferred transfer from Eastside. Um, how are they looking so far? Do they look like the front runner to win it, win it all in 3A? Yeah, they're they're the front runner in three A. Jabari Smith obviously just became the all time leading scorer uh, at Sandy Creek, so he's really good. He'll be right. an All American. Um, Hart County is they're tough. I mean, if anyone outside of you know, if anyone could could beat them, I would have to think it's Hart County, and that's one of those teams that it's a smaller school. It's Hartwell. It's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Not a whole lot of people kind of. Um, go out there and cover those guys. Yeah, that's up my way. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, like Sean Webb, he's the best defensive player in the state of Georgia, and he's he's committed to play at Emmanuel, but if he if he's playing at a Gwinnett school or a Fulton school, he's probably a low to mid-major player. And my comp on him is Jameer Chaplin, who was at Meadow Creek and now at USF. Okay. Similar type player, wiry, defensive. Sometimes you wanted a little bit more of Chaplin offensively. Uh, Sean Webb has no problem giving you that offensively. He can shoot the three, but he's a playmaker. Um, just super tough. He blocks so many shots, gets so many steals. I saw him just absolutely lock up, put um, uh, Andrew McConnell from Lanier, who's going to James Madison, he put him in a straight jacket. He held him to like nine points and fouled him out on a charge in the fourth quarter. Um, Hart County's a special team. Sean Webb is a big-time player. Hart County is the last team to eliminate Pace Academy in the state playoffs. Now, that was before Matt Cleveland, and Cole Middleton was hurt, but that is a little fun fact there. So, Hart County, good team. And then they got Taj Johnson. He's a sophomore. He's got a lot of talent, six foot seven. Uh, he hasn't really broken out as a scorer. I think that might come next year. Uh, but that's a guy that's going to be a Division One player. And then J.C. Curry, a junior guard, six foot four, super athletic, can shoot the three as well. They have a lot of good pieces. Coach Harry Marshes. Yeah, much older gentleman, but he has seen pretty much everything possible on the hardwood. Very good coach. He keeps those guys in line. Um, so Hart County, if anyone can contend with uh, Sandy Creek, I would think Hart County has a chance to do so. Gotcha. Well, Kyle, man, I think we're getting to the to the end here. I mean, we really can't thank you enough for hopping on. Obviously, your, your passion shows, and I hope anybody watching this or listening to this um, learned a little bit more about you as a person and and your kind of your path to to where you've got now. I mean, because you didn't just get here out of nowhere. I know there's a lot of hard work involved. Yeah, it's uh, it's been quite the journey. I mean, there's there's definitely ups and downs. I know. You know that, and everybody in sports knows that, and everybody that lives life uh, knows that there are so many ups and downs uh, with everything. I mean, I was, I've, I've been all over the place in Augusta for five very strange months, very, very dark months. Uh, and then I came back, and I was with this other company, and I was director of media, and that was awesome, but that lasted for just a year. And then I was at finish line, 
uh, with my friends selling shoes and then basketball back to full time with prep hoops and Sandy Spiel. So it's been quite the journey. You know, you can't really, you know, it's just, there's not, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it with this. Success is not linear. And that pretty much sums it up. Success is not linear. There's ups and downs and you just gotta, you just gotta keep grinding and that's it. No doubt, man. So before we let you go, are there anything you want to plug? I know obviously you have a big following on Twitter and that's how a lot of coaches and players and, and teams will, will reach out with stats and whatnot. And you have a website. So what do you want to plug, man? Oh, shoot. Uh, yeah. Uh, simple stuff. Twitter is where you find all the breaking news, if you want to call it that. At Kyle Sandy 355. Also at Sandy Spiel. Um, and uh, my other little venture uh, which you can find on Twitter and on uh, Instagram, which Instagram will just be highlights from all the games I go to, at CTC Athletics, and that is createtheculture.org. Would love to have some more camps and fall leagues coming up. Just got to be able to get back in the gym. But that's pretty much it. I really appreciate you guys for having me on. I know this has a, been a, a doozy of a, an opener, but I appreciate you guys and sharing my passion with you guys who also love sports and talking Rockdale, talking Lumpkin County. Does it get any better than that, baby? I appreciate it. Hey, we yeah, said man. we were going to get out there. You know, we're going to cover the whole state, so we got to got to cover it all. And there'll never be another first, so you can you have that forever. <laughs> yeah, oh, we, we, we definitely got to get you on uh, again at some point. We hope to have uh, in-studio guests at some point. And I know mm-hmm. as, as much as you like to travel around, we're going to have to link up at some point and get you in-studio and uh, – and get you in here talking some more basketball. Oh, baby, that sounds good. Keep me up to date. I would love to do it. That would be great to see your smiling face one more time, Colin. <laughs> All right, man. Well, you take it easy and, um, you know, you know, enjoy the next few weeks because I know they're going to be busy with uh, region tournaments and state playoffs coming up. February frenzy is here, my friends. No doubt. We'll see you, man.